Welcome to Dig It. Hope you're all having a fantastic Friday morning. Uh, I'm here with my two lovely ladies, the Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you girls doing? Hey, hey. I'm doing good. Doing good. Pulled doing a 17 good. hour day yesterday, so I'm, I'm a little. Uh, I haven't had my coffee yet. I'll come around now. I'm getting gotta there. Got to get, get that into you. Still, wait, still like, waking up. I'm on my like third cup now so uh, it's, so it's like three unfair. it's like 3 a.m for me and you go sound like oh it's so early <laughs> you just like you bitching like you just got up jesus well when you go to bed at four or five in the morning you know it's everything yeah, that's why i'm always up at four or five in the morning gotta do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot 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 going on this week especially in the speaker household too you should see me at the moment i've got like allergies on my eyes and my headset is broken. So I've got like oh, this bandana that like holding over it together. My head. Yeah, and I'm in like a dark room. So I've got like glasses on because the allergies in my eyes. I feel like I should be in like an RV, like doing a <laughs> podcast, like just like this full on conspiracy theorist on the road. <laughs> That's how I feel. At That's, the I got a good visual going now. <laughs> Thanks for that. The, had to paint the picture a little bit. All right. So this week we got, well, we're going to talk about two. Uh, articles uh, from Corey, one called Vax Zealots Try to Put Their Message in a Bottle, and the other one is COVID-19, The Cover-Up, The Cure, and The Key Evidence. We're also going to talk about the explosion in Beirut, Flynn update, FBI raid on the Ukrainian oligarchs, uh, Sally Yates hearing, Julian Assange testimony, and I will talk about the podcast we did on Hivemind this week a little bit, and get into a bit about what's going on in the police state of Victoria in Australia. So what are we going to roll roll through at the moment, ladies? What are we going to do first? Wow, there's so much to choose from. There is so much to choose from. <laughs> so much has been happening. Oh, tell us about Australia. How about you tell us about that first? It's, it's crazy at the moment. I just got my working permit thing. You have to have like a permit now to prove that you're working in an essential industry. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. She's like, wow. there's some photos that are coming out of like the streets and the cities after curfew. It's just completely dead. And it's amazing. And what, how what time is curfew? Curfew is from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Can't leave your house. It's ridiculous. You guys have only had, uh, what, like 200 COVID related deaths in all of Australia? Uh, something like that. Let me just check because I don't have it's, the actual It's really figures. low. I think it that's what James, um, James Fitzgerald, who wrote the article that I published on my site that we'll talk about later, um, actually included a little bit about that in Australia. And I think he said it was like 200, 200 deaths. 255. 255. Okay. <laughs> Crazy. And yeah, so Australia's had 100, uh, Victoria, sorry, has had 170 of them. Yeah, but so they've they ramped up curfew. testing and stuff. So they've set a curfew. They've so many industries are like the what's going to happen after when all this COVID thing blows over is so many businesses are going to just have, or or have already closed their doors. I mean, mm -hmm. you watch you watch suicide rates go up. Like through these measures, you're going to cause so much more right. damage 
than you would. And it's, it's going to be horrible to say, yeah, I mean, people have already lost their businesses and stuff. They can't compete at the moment. And they know this. And we have enough data now from multiple countries showing these patterns. And yet they keep, they keep pushing it. It's Man, really it's quite just... sick. So, so you had to fill out documents or something to get a card yeah. that you carry with you? Yeah, it's like a sheet, like a permit sheet to say I'm a central worker in the business that I'm working at. Otherwise, businesses can't have their workers there unless they have their permits. Wow. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's bad, man. They're, they're fining people up to $10,000 for breaking any of these COVID rules. Are you serious? Yep. Wow. And because so that's if, really if you needed. If want to go on a night stroll and take your dog for a walk at 9 o'clock at night, yep. they're saying they'll fine you? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're not saying they are. Is anyone taking them to court on any of this stuff? Do you know? I, I mean, with with the fines and all that that they're throwing. Oh, one, it's so amazing how many Australians are so willing to bend over while the government just takes advantage of them at the moment and putting them in this position. So many people are like cheering it on. It's just it's twilight zone shit. But a lot of people yeah. are not. Um, and but. How how do you challenge this at the moment? I mean, no one wants to risk. Like, I don't, I don't blame people if they have to, you know, conform to these laws at the moment because some of them already lost their jobs, some of them already lost their businesses, and then on top of that, you're going to find them ten thousand dollars. Like, right. how 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 are these people supposed to, you know, fight back on that? So it's just it's hard. Yeah, it is. And like, we've gone through the, probably the most draconian measures in the world, apart from probably China who were China, literally, yeah. you know, welding people inside their rooms. But right. we've, you know, we're, we're, we're the closest in the West anyway. Well, yeah, because you guys had those, uh, what were they? Those towers that were like on complete lockdown for two weeks. Yeah. No, they wouldn't let anyone leave. Right. Yep. I don't like that seemed like it didn't work. Did it? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's crazy at the moment. There's not much we can do. So. Oh, I'm sorry, bud. No, welcome, welcome to the police state of Victoria. Yeah. But like, mm -hmm. the, like the, some good things about it is, is that I've gone on Facebook. Like I went on Facebook the other day just to have a scroll through the feed, see what's going on because I haven't been there for a while. And there's a lot of people that I didn't expect that are like calling this shit out. But of course, they're getting mocked and ridiculed. And I mean, you can just see that by the number of people that are just so happy for the government to just lock them in. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's very weird. strange. Mm. It is. Well, James did this brilliant article. I, I really encourage everyone to uh, read it on, on my site here. What I love about his style of writing is he's like a storyteller. So you feel like you're reading a good book and he always brings in some personal experiences into it. And he covers is just really, he outdid himself. It's a really thorough, well-rounded um, talk about kind of going through some aspects of history where they pushed, you know, with this medical industrial complex and where they've, they've pushed people to the brink and pushed people to death and, the propaganda and you know are we going to learn from this are we going to learn from our past because here we are in the thick of it and they're doing it again and he just makes some really good points and um it's very thought-provoking 
there's a lot of um a lot of evidence in here and he, and he gets into you know the rockefeller document and um just makes some comparisons of, of several things in here and then of course one of the big points which is um what i wanted him to cover was the yale university study which i know we briefly spoke about i think we did didn't we last week we we kind of just mentioned it because it had yeah. just come out i think right it's right really, we did it's really important though because it's it's right here in everyone's face i mean this study was just completed july 8th and it's posted to clinicaltrials.gov and it was done by yale university and it just shows everything we've been talking about you know when people try to call us conspiracy theorists it's because there's so many damn conspiracies out there and they're true <laughs> they keep coming true <laughs> I know, one right? after another after another and so this one you know has to do with controlling the message and controlling the narrative to the point where so here's the title of it persuasive messages for COVID-19 vaccine uptake. And the study, so it says this study tests different messages about vaccinating. Are you guys still there? Yeah. Okay, sorry, I just got like a pop-up window saying something about my internet connection. So I didn't wanna go on no, a ramble and find out we got disconnected. Yeah, go on. We can leave this in. Okay, so the study tests different messages about vaccinating against COVID-19 once the vaccine becomes available. Participants are randomized to one of 12 arms with one control arm and one baseline arm. We will compare the reported willingness to get a COVID-19 vaccine at three and six months of it becoming available between the 10 intervention arms to the two control arms. So they had 4,000 participants in this that were recruited online by Lucid. And these control messages are what are so disturbing. So they're coming up with ways to, they're basically narrowing down the best messages that they can then use through media to flood the message to get people to take this vaccine. They're looking and, at mind control the people into taking a vaccine basically, right? <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and what, what makes it so disturbing is it's not that, well, we're going to point out these facts and we're going to point out these facts and we're going to make them feel safe because we're going to provide this safety information. It's nothing like that. Their messages have to do with personal freedom, economic freedom, which is very manipulative, self-interest, community interest, economic benefit, guilt message, embarrassment message, anger message, trust in science, not bravery message. I mean, and if you go in, and, and we'll put the link underneath the, uh, the podcast here, but if you go in and you read some of these, they are so disturbing. So just as an example, uh, let's see, I think we did the guilt one last time. The, the not bravery. So of this sample, one of 15 of the sample will be assigned to this message, which describes how firefighters, doctors, and frontline medical workers are brave. Those who choose not to get vaccinated against COVID-19 are not brave. So 
It's just, it's crazy. You can see the same sort of messaging with the masks and it's not part of this study, but just as a side note, you know, when I'm listening to or watching anything and a a commercial pops up, you know, about wearing a masks, it's, it's Mm -hmm. the same sort of messaging. I'm brave because I wear a mask or I care about my, my community because I wear a mask. It's all the same sort of messaging. You can see the mind control going on in in those messages. I I drove down the street the other night and there was this radio. uh, It was my dad's car. So I don't know what station it was. This guy was talking on there saying, Oh, how, how he's got so used to wearing a mask now. And he was like, oh, this is the host, right? And he's like, oh, it's just, you know, I, I find it pretty cool now. You know, I could I could wear it for a couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, we, we, we all fought against seatbelts at first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got I used to wearing wear seatbelts. And uh, I do, but, you know, it's just a thing. <laughs> There's a bit of a difference though, right? And uh, and he's like, well, you know, I could, I could wear this for a couple of years. And he had a caller on. And she's like, yeah, it's really fun. And I'm just like, oh my god! Wow, (laughs) wow! And 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 the the guilt one, you know. So this message is about the danger that COVID-19 presents to the health of one's family and community. The best way to protect them is by getting vaccinated, and society must work together to get enough people vaccinated. Then it asks the participant to imagine the guilt they will feel if they don't get vaccinated and spread the disease. And it goes on and on. So we'll have the links so people can read all of these different messages. But the point is, they use fear tactics. And here's a perfect example. And this is something that gets into my other article that my goal, <laughs> my goal was to have published last weekend, but you guys know, I had to deal with some serious personal things going on and uh, took me off my game. So I'm up to 25 pages on it. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm, my intention is to have it done tonight and published um, Friday, worst case Saturday. So one of the points that I make in there, and I would love to get your guys' take on this. So I was just looking through some statistics on <clears throat> on death, you know, and, and we know in the U.S., the number one cause of death is heart disease. So you have 650,000 people on average a year that die of heart disease here. Now, are there people out there, now that's four, more than four times the amount of COVID-related deaths we've seen here, which over 40% of those are attributed to nursing homes. So do you see people in a panic, frantically going, oh my gosh, I need to exercise. I need to quit smoking. I need to change my diet because I could die from heart disease. Are people changing their habits? Are they worried about their health? Are they focusing on their health because they're so afraid of dying? When these people take and they flood the message with fear tactics and say, you have to wear a mask. You have to give up your personal freedoms. You have to shut down your business. You can no longer go to work. You can't send your kids to school. We're shutting you all down and stripping away all your freedoms and putting your life at risk, your family's life at risk for numerous reasons, you know, starving to death, not having a roof over your head, depression, suicide going up. And people jump on it and go, oh my God, I'm scared to death. We might die. When heart disease is four times more likely that you're going to die from that. And people aren't willing to, you know, my point is 
people are two points actually. One is people as individuals are not willing to work on their own health issues out of fear for dying. But when they're told, oh, you could die of this, then all of a sudden they'll give up all their freedoms and liberties because they think that's going to make them safer. And on the flip side of that, we've got these asshats that are, are using fear and manipulation tactics to flood the message. I mean, you can't, you can't walk 10 feet. You can't turn on a TV. You can't turn on a computer. You can't be out in public. You can't go anywhere without seeing stickers on the floor, signs on the walls, buzzing in your ears about this. All fear tactics. Right. It's all in now the imagine messaging. If, imagine if they were to do the same thing with heart disease and other things and flood the message. If you don't stop eating sugar, if you don't start dieting, you're going to, you know, would it change anything? Is like fear tactics the only thing that works to get people to listen to, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's all so twisted. Yeah. It's all in the messaging. They know the fear tactics work. That's why they use it. It's their go-to every time. And you're right about the priorities here. If they really did care about um, the death rate uh, related to you know health issues, mm-hmm. then they would prioritize them based on the statistics. And right. you don't see that kind of messaging. Of course, we do. You know, have messaging for heart disease, and people but it's minimal. Do- Right. And people do have been paying more attention to their health, I would say, over the years as we've learned more about heart disease and so forth. But it's not this extreme case scenario where we have to lock everything down and everybody has to just focus on this one particular thing and just stop all other forms of of living, you know, just focus on this one thing. No, it's not like that with heart disease. And you would think that if they cared about the numbers, uh, that that would be the messaging for heart disease, but it's not about that. It's not about that at all. Wait, we know that. Right, right. Do it for obesity if you're gonna scare people into something. What's the obesity rate in America? It must be crazy. Yeah, I haven't looked that one up, but I bet it is pretty high. Yeah, it would be. I'll have to look that up before I finish my report. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so in this report that I'm working on though, it, um, the central focus of course is America's frontline doctors. But what I wanted to do is for one, it's, it's really, really important information that gets out there because I've already previously covered the hydroxychloroquine you know, the battle for a vaccine and all that. And so this is really important and excellent that these doctors are all standing up and uh, gaining some momentum here, um, despite, despite being like the greatest takedown of all time to censor them. They're uh, still coming out and they're getting out on shows and getting the word out. And so it's really important. And I wanted to show, <clears throat> of course, you know me and my timelines, I wanted to show a timeline because we all got to see this in real time. And there were a lot of little things that some people probably missed in how they um, subverted this whole messaging and censored the heck out of them. And I wanted to get those points in here, but I also get into the, um, the misreporting on the FDA about hydroxychloroquine and the emergency use and all of that, because I think every news source out there misreported that. It, it, it was, uh, 
I mean, even some that I know that, you know, I respect totally misunderstood what the FDA was saying there. And so I clarified that. And, uh, and then I get into the battle between hydroxychloroquine and remdesivir and some statistics and data on the fear being worse than the virus. And there's, um, and you know what, did you guys see the video footage of the CDC director, Robert Redfield, about the suicides? No. So this blows me away. It was, what was it? It was a couple weeks ago and he was, um, it was like an online streaming with some, I don't know, I have it in my report. I don't have it memorized yet, but it was, it was like an online streaming with some group. It wasn't a university, but something, something like that, maybe an institute or something. And he says, and I quote, we are seeing, sadly, far greater suicides now than we are deaths from COVID. We are seeing far greater deaths from drug overdose that are above excess that we had as background than we are seeing the deaths from COVID. And yet, he's, they're now talking about this on the CDC site. They're not talking about this at the White House or during you know, press conferences. They're not getting out on the news and saying, this is serious. And, and, you know, sadly, a lot of those are teenagers. It's infuriating to me. We all knew this was going to happen. The consequences are far worse uh, mm -hmm. for, the, for the, the measures that they've imposed than the, the virus itself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sick. I mean, we're talking a 98.6% recovery rate, and we all know it's higher than that because they're, they're writing things down incorrectly and documenting deaths as I mean over 40% are nursing homes alone people that already had comorbidities were already you know near end of life and so these numbers are very very skewed um, but you know there's only been uh, and like children with the schools there's only been 86 children have died from COVID related deaths in the US Whereas 500 children die annually from seasonal flu, but they're not going to open wow. the schools. No, nope. there's no logic in any of their decisions, and people are seeing that. I think a lot of people are seeing that. Oh yeah, I mean because it's affecting every one of us, you know, uh, with mm -hmm. the, the the kind of measures that they're imposing. It's affected at everyone with regards to our ability to work, having to wear a mask everywhere we go, you know, um, our kids not being able to go to school. And if they do, then they have to wear masks all day. It's yeah. insane. Mm -hmm. Insane. So, all right, Edge, give us an update on something. I want to hear about the uh, FBI raid. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second. But first, really, I just want to say a brief statement on the explosion in Beirut. My heart goes out to these people. I, you know, my prayers go out horrific. to these people. What happened this week was just absolutely heartbreaking to watch um, the explosion there. I'm sure everyone has heard about it. Um, but it was, you know, from the, the mainstream news, we, we've heard that it was fireworks ignite, ignited 2,700 tons of ammonium nitrate that was confiscated from a cargo ship and had just been sitting there since 2014. 
But, you know, everybody's obviously speculative on this and they're investigating the blast for negligence. Um, it's um, probably a lot of people think that it has to do with Hezbollah because we know, you know, Hezbollah uses that port for weapons storage and development. And even in the Le Lebanese people are very angry, uh, duly so, and um, they're, they're, they're angry at their Lebanon's president uh, for the presence of, and influence that Hezbollah has had over the years in that country. And they're actually calling for revolution and regime change and to be freed from Hezbollah because they have such a stronghold there. So it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see what's going on there. It really is. And, you know, Thomas Victor has done some fantastic threads on this and talks about the, um, <clears throat> gosh, is it called Oct Octogen? He was, he was basically debunking what they were saying about the, uh, gosh, I can't remember what the chemical was. But, Ammonium well, nitrate? I can, put, I can put a link to his thread under the video because it was really well done. And, you know, he's, he's really observant. And uh, this is like his area where he does really well with breaking things down. So it was, you know... Uh, this, he believes this obviously was very intentional. This was not fireworks um, and the type of explosion it was and gets into detail about it. Yeah, yeah. I think that it, a lot of people, especially the people that live there, uh, would, would, are looking to Hezbollah to blame uh, mm -hmm. for this and for their presence there. And whether negligence or intentional, they still put that blame I think mostly squarely on Hezbollah and their presence there and the government who's, who's allowed their presence to be there. So, mm -hmm. uh, well, it's just heartbreaking. And I wanted to send my thoughts and prayers to those people who are suffering as a result of it, but yeah, let's get to some better news. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So there was this FBI raid this week, which actually happened on the same day as the explosion. So there wasn't much media coverage and probably wouldn't have been anyways. Right. Uh, because um, so this 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 FBI raid that occurred, it was in the Cleveland offices connected to this Ukrainian oligarch named I Igor Kol Kolomoisky. And they also confirmed that they, there was another raid same day that took place in Miami, Florida in connection to this case. Now, Kolomoisky has been accused of laundering hundreds of millions of dollars into the U.S. through Privat Bank. So the Privat Group and Privat Bank, it's controlled by a billionaire businessman, including Igor Kolomoisky. But in 2016, Privat Bank was nationalized under the pressure of, guess who? The Obama mm -hmm. administration. We yeah. have a phone call recording <laughs> of Biden telling Poroshenko to nationalize Privat Bank so they could send the U.S. aid in the amount of about $1.8 billion <laughs> all to one place, one bank, and yes, you guessed it, Privat Bank. So that 1.8 billion has people have tried to track it. Well, a lot of that it just virtually disappears, and everybody is asking where'd that money go? Where'd that 1.8 billion USAID taxpayer dollars go? So now we have this Ukrainian oligarch under investigation for laundering money connected to Privat Bank, and I don't have any doubts 
that this is going to lead directly to the Bidens, to the missing $1.8 billion in USAID, and yep. their gigantic money laundering scheme that they used U.S. tax dollars for. Yep. So this is huge, and I doubt any major mainstream news source covered this at all this week. Yeah, I bet you're right. Or if they did, it would just be like a downplay little blurb. Right, or not making any connection to Pravat Bank or the Bidens or anything like that. No, it's just all coincidence, right? (laughs) So you want me to tell you about this Flynn update? It's kind of interesting. Yes, because I have not had a chance to review that yet. All right, so the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals entered the order regarding oral arguments. Remember how Sullivan had requested to rehear oral, oral arguments again, and that was granted. So the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals entered their order regarding these oral arguments, and in that order, it asks the parties to address the effect, if any, on Section 455, which is basically, it talks about the disqualification of a judge. So basically, they're ordering the parties in these oral arguments to be prepared to address whether Judge Sullivan should be disqualified. So, yes, based off of him being perceived as his perceived impartiality Mm -hmm. uh, or also his uh, being rendered, rendering himself a party to the case now. So, Uh, These oral arguments are scheduled for August 11th at 9.30 a.m. via teleconference, and we'll see. We'll see, but it looks like the D.C. Circuit Court obviously has some questions, as we all do, as to (laughs) whether or not Judge Sullivan uh, should be disqualified. God, can we just put an end to this? I know, right? But this week also, um, General Flynn wrote a letter to the American people. It was published as an op-ed for the Western Journal. And I just wanted to, to let everybody know that and to check it I out. I missed that. Yeah, I encourage, he, he tweet about, tweeted about it this week. So just check his Twitter timeline if you want to check that out. But I encourage everybody to read it. It's just this heartfelt plea to the American people. Uh, It talks about this war between good versus evil. It talks about Marxism, Antifa, BLM. He's calling for Americans to just rise up and unite against the evil. He's calling for prayers. It's just a really great letter, and I recommend everybody read it. Nice. Very cool. I missed that. I did catch, did you see this morning, the, uh, (laughs) what's her name? Letitia James, the AG of New York, on the thinking that she's going to dissolve the NRA. Yeah, I heard about that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I watched that this morning, Thursday, and uh, uh, her drama, just her drama and carrying it out. And the corruption was so vast. And so it was, it was four people. I don't, I don't remember their names off the top of my head, two of whom have already left the NRA and the corruption she says is millions of dollars that they used uh, personally, you know, your typical foundation going after foundations where they're not necessarily using the money for charity and they're using it for personal things. But she's saying that this corruption is just so big that they need to dissolve the NRA. And one um, reporter asked, well, what precedent do you have to do that? 
you know, why wouldn't you just find them? And the four that committed the corruption would, you know, be removed from the NRA and said, well, no, this corruption is just too big. And so a gentleman came up in, in her place and to answer the question and said, well, the precedent are two cases. One, he couldn't remember the name of the, the, the organization. Um, and then he finally did, and I can't remember it myself. And the second one, of course, is the Trump Foundation. So they're using that as precedent <laughs> to try to dissolve the NRA. It's a joke. It's I know, I know. Because we're talking about in New York, for one. Now, I haven't looked yet. My guess is they're also already set up in other states. If not, that's easy enough to do. Um, uh, the whole thing's a joke. I, I, I don't see them even being able to get it dissolved. Um, and like I said, if they do, it seems to me that um, they would just, they would, you know, set up in other areas because New York can only control the charities within New York. But the hysterical part of it is when she got on her high horse and said, we see all organizations, big and small, as equal. No one is above the law in the state of New York. And, and yet we have the Clinton Foundation, Planned Parenthood, <laughs> you know, like there's tons, right. of, tons <laughs> of them that are all above the law. Mm-hmm. Yep. Crazy. Crazy. I just yep. thought I'd throw that in there real quick since that just, that just happened. I, I, I only got to see a few minutes of the Sally Yates hearing, though. Did you guys watch that? Oh, I watched highlights on it. I did not sit through the entire thing, but I got the gist. It looks like more lies and cover-ups. Sally Yates, you know, attempted to provide cover for herself and Obama in the Obama administration, claiming she had no idea Christopher Steele was hired by the Democrats. She had no idea her deputy Bruce Orr was facilitating communications with Christopher Steele and the FBI. Oh, and she had no idea the FISA applications that she signed were full of errors, lies, <laughs> and omissions. <laughs> so she basically just passed the buck claiming that she was duped by the FBI instead of like willing. So she threw Comey under the bus. Totally. So that was the one other takeaway is that it looks more like the Obamagate coup has chosen who they're willing to sacrifice as their fall guy. And it's uh -huh. going to be Comey. You know, Yates agreed that Comey went rogue in that. Hearing. And Lindsey Graham's a joke. Yes. He's a joke. Yeah. Yep. yep. So. That but, much I could catch. Didn't miss the, a whole lot there. In the few short clips I saw, I'm like, what is he doing? What is, what's going on here? Um, which wasn't really a shock to me, though, because I've been feeling like this about him for quite some time. But I did note, notice that there were several people on Twitter um, pointing out that the GOP was pathetic. It was as though they didn't even know the entire case. Like, there are, you know, journalists and researchers out here that know more than they know, and they weren't asking the right questions. And that doesn't surprise me at all. I just, I wasn't able to um, watch it that day. Not at all. Welcome to the GOP. They've always been like that, though. They're horrible yeah. at getting these. There were getting a these couple. They don't fight. There but was. They, they, a, there is a couple. 
Yeah, there were a couple and uh, Hauling comes to mind. He had a couple of great moments during that hearing where he really did take it to uh, Sally Yates. And she got caught in some lies. I know that other people on Twitter uh, were doing the play by play, you know, catching her <laughs> yeah. in those lies. So and then also some changes in testimony between what she told the IG versus what she was telling in the hearing, uh, meaning like she had told the IG that she uh, did not review the first uh, FISA application renewal. And then she told them in the hearing that she did. So there's a lot of inconsistencies there, but it's just. So she perjured herself numerous times and what will become of it? Mm, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they did just say, though, that Durham's going to be interviewing uh, Brennan soon. Mm, that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that we're going to, you know, get to be a fly on the wall for that, but. Well, hopefully we'll have some real results from Durham in the very near future. I've got my <sighs> well, eyes on let's that. Let's hope so. Yeah. Let's hope so. So some some other good interesting news that may be coming down the pipe for Julian Assange and the Seth Rich case. So this week there's a U.S. court case between uh, Seth Rich's parents and Fox News over a report that Fox News did about Seth Rich and WikiLeaks a couple years back. So um, this U.S. judge has requested Julian Assange's testimony in this case. And there's a list of 20 specific questions that the court intends to ask Julian, including how, when, and from whom WikiLeaks obtained the DNC emails and whether Seth Rich was connected to it. Interesting. Yes. So the judge has asked for a response from the UK by September 1st on whether the Royal Court will comply with this request for an interview with Julian, which would be done by a video conference. So September 1st, we should be looking out for a response on that. And hopefully we can get some testimony from Julian and get to the bottom of this Seth Rich case. That would be explosive. Yeah, that would be. Goodness. So have you guys been seeing all the uh, chatter about the debates potentially not happening and all the craziness around that? Man, Biden, there's no way he can debate. No way. We've all been saying for a while, there's no way they'll do whatever they have to do to avoid him debating with Trump. It's just, it's just not going to happen. The the smartest play he's got is to seriously just stay quiet if he's going to have any chance is to stay quiet and just to do what he's doing and hiding. And I think they know that. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that man gets in front of a camera and starts talking, it's gibberish. It is absolute nonsensical. There's no way that he's going to be able to hold himself in a, in a debate. Mm -mm. They're going to have to find a way to get around that. And Trump's trying to push for, I think the first, uh, gosh, what is it? Oh, the first debate's not even scheduled until like a month after some of the, what is it? Some of the polls open. He was just tweeting about this today. Now I have to find it. Um, just the whole thing, the whole schedule around the debates, how everything's pushed back. And it's, it's sometime in September is the first one. And because they're 
you know, in some places allowing the mail-in ballots and stuff, those are happening before this debate even happens. And so some people are saying, great, let it happen. Everyone's decided. And other people say, no, we want to see the debate. I mean, I personally think it would be hysterical to, um, to watch a debate, but. Oh, I would love to see it. It would provide <laughs> so much entertainment for so long. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Oh God. Oh. I can't find it now. I can't, I can't find it. He had some dates in there, but. Oh, well. I think everyone everyone's aware of all that going on. So, yeah, um, and everybody's talking about who his veep his veep pick is, and they keep putting it off. But you know, rumors are it's Kamala. We'll mm -hmm. see though, because Susan Rice. I've been hearing her her name being floated a lot lately. So that'll be interesting. But you know, Kamala did get that that uh, awful facelift recently uh which makes me think what that is that he knows she's the pick <laughs> these people i tell you uh, it's definitely going to be a minority female let's be honest right because you, you got to pander to that mm -hmm. you've got nothing else going for you mm -hmm. and susan both susan rice and kamala harris are controlled so they can you know be a good puppet for when Biden is somehow some way removed, which we know is down the road for him. He's, you know, not capable. Right. He's not capable of tying his shoelaces. Yeah. More or less getting on the debate stage or running the country. Mm -mm. Yeah. And I, th I think a lot of people have seen that as much as they might hate Trump. They're like, this, this is what we have. Like, this is what we're running with. <laughs> like, I, there's, there's no win for a lot of people. Right. Oh, I finally found it. So basically, he was just saying, how can voters be sending in ballots starting in some cases one month before the first presidential debate? Move the first debate up. A debate to me is a public service. Joe Biden and I owe it to the American people. <laughs> which, which we just know is not going to happen. But <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. There's, oh. there's no way. There's no way. Trump would just blow <laughs> him away. It would be hilarious. I just imagine. Uh, I just imagine it. I mean, the way he just nailed Hillary in the 2016 debates, you know, you'd be in jail. Uh, <laughs> you know, that still is just an amazing moment. I, I, I would love to see something like that with him and Joe Biden, but I don't think it's ever going to yeah, happen. And he just, he says the most absurd thing, like this morning, he was saying how he was, I don't have the exact words, but basically he was stating that Latinos have diversity of thought, unlike Black Americans. Like black I saw all, that. Are all, yeah. all are all alike with the exception of few, whereas <laughs> Latinos are so diverse. It, it was just, you know, and I didn't mm. see the whole thing. I only saw that one short clip. It frustrates me when people clip it so short to just 10 or 15 mm. seconds. It's like, give me the before and give me the after. I want to see like the context, you know? Yeah, it needs some context. But, but I don't think that one really needed context. I mean, no matter how you, no, no matter what context I, I, you throw in I, there, I, that I, statement alone is, wow. See, that, this is the problem with pandering because they, they try to focus on one pandering group at a time. And when they do that, they offend another pandering group. Right, you can't yeah. win. You can't win. Right. It's a double-edged sword <laughs> when you want to play this game. Right, right. And he's just they a like to play it. And he's a oh, gaff yeah. machine. He's a gaff machine. He has, he, you can just, just 
give him the floor. He will hang himself. <laughs> right. Now, I didn't have a chance to read that, that article that went viral about all the different ways that they're leading up to the election and if they lose, what they're going to do. And I just saw people tweeting out, oh, there's going to be a civil war, which I personally do not think that's going to happen. And people need to stop putting that energy out there. But, and then about seceding, and I don't know which states, if they listed which states were talking about doing that. Did you guys see that one or did you read that one? No, I didn't have time. Yeah, it was some, I know it's so hard to keep up. There's so much stuff coming out so fast. And when you're trying to, you know, like you guys, you're making a video. What's your most recent video that you're working on? Well, we just wrapped up one and published that the, earlier this week uh, on Disney. And if you haven't seen oh, that cool. one, check that one out. Yeah, the dark side of Disney. That was a good one. And then this week, we just finished recording all about ancient Egypt and the pyramids. Oh, yeah. We're, so I, we, sh I should have jumped in on that one. Yeah, we need to get we need to get you, we need to get you on on one. This is like the the way Edge and I have like decided to do it is like we we'll, we'll, we'll do like because we do cover dark things every now and then, and we're like we got to chuck something else in there that is different and that can you know that, that other people are interested in apart from just this uh, pedophilia, this dark side of things. You can't right. just keep putting out that information. Right. So, like, and, and that's always what we we sought to do with our podcast to just switch it up. And it's really weird. Like every time we like think of a topic or something, just like Edge and I were just like watching, watching clips and docs of Egypt, and we're like, well, let's just do one on Egypt. And then like Elon Musk came out like two days after we decided to do it, and tweeted like the pyramids were built by aliens, and then the whole <laughs> e and then the whole whole Egyptology community just like you know got all angry and shit. Yeah, Pyramid but, Gate. It was a thing. Yeah, Pyramid Gate. Yeah, they like, came out with their videos attacking Elon Musk. Like, <laughs> like, go and educate yourself. And the pyramids were built by Egyptians and all that. But it's just weird that, like, every time we come up with, like, something takes off. It's like the same with the 5G one, same with the AI one. Like, something will get tweeted or something. And we're like, yeah, we're, I don't know how we're picking these, but we're picking these. It just seems to fall in our lap. That's cool. I'm going to have to watch timing. that one. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's interesting. We just love that topic. We love talking about um, ancient <laughs> cultures and mysteries. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, it was a fun topic for us to talk about. And I and how I think, do you guys think the pyramids were built? Uh, you're going to have to watch the video. <laughs> that is not something we can explain in five minutes that's why it took us a 50 minute video to do it <laughs> how did you think it was built how do i hmm. oh i don't know that my theory would go over so well with people <laughs> i might reserve my theory for now <laughs> Okay. I'm going to watch yours though. I'm going to watch it. Maybe we'll talk <laughs> about it next week after it's been out for a week. Sure. Well, and we'll, when we publish it, we'll probably link it in the comments for uh, listeners of this podcast to find it easily. So yeah, yeah we, 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 I got a lot of messages about uh, yeah, So you're stalling on Bigfoot now, are you? I'm like, Jesus. After, because after we went live with like Red <laughs> on Comfy Sunday and I brought that up, everyone's like just, on our heads now so we're probably gonna have to do that soon uh, uh, we're, gonna get the, we're gonna get that we're gonna, we're gonna get the angry mob at the door edge yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny they're wanting you to do a video on bigfoot 
Yeah. yeah, speaker joked about it on on the show that we did with uh, Red Pill seventy eight, mm-hmm. and uh, so ever since we keep getting uh, requests for for Bigfoot. That's <laughs> for funny. Bigfoot show. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Some at some point down the line, we might have to do that. All right, guys, yeah. it's been a busy week. I know it personally has. and on the national and world stage, lots going on. But oh yes, yes, we're trying to keep it all together for you guys and get you guys the information. So yeah, it, we, we were close to not doing the show this week just because of how much personal stuff we've got going on between all three of us, but. We're here, and we managed to get it out, so boom. There you boom. go. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to us here today on Dig It with a speaker, myself, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and, of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.